Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. You know, John 8, verse 32, a passage that, uh, that a lot of us already know, Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Talking about being made free from sin. Well, the point is, only the truth will make us free from sin. False religious teaching won't do it. We have all these different churches, all these different preachers, all these different people teaching different things, and everybody thinks they're all the truth. It's like two plus two can equal four and five at the same time. No, if they're teaching different things religiously, they're not all teaching the truth. The truth is what's actually presented by God's word. John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the word of God defines for us what the truth is. The truth is not defined by God revealing to something to you directly or a feeling that you have or anything like that. That's not how you get information from God. The truth is defined by God's word. John 17, 17. The Bible is where God tells you what he wants you to do. We all have the same standard. You can't say God told you this and I, and I say God told me this. No. We all have to go to the Bible to find out what God wants all of us to do. And it's the same thing. He wants us to all do the same thing. He doesn't show favoritism. We need to go to the truth. And that's what we do in this program. We're going to try to go to God's word to find the truth. If you have a Bible question or comment and you want to know what the truth is on that question, the way you're going to find the truth, the answer to that religious question is by going to the Bible. If you have such a Bible question or comment, give us a call. 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open. You can get your call in if you call right now. Last week, we were talking about divorce and remarriage, and we read Matthew 19, 9, where Jesus said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now, I know a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people who go to church are in second or third marriages that are adulterous marriages, as defined by Jesus in Matthew 19, 9. Now, I'm told statistics say most churches, 20 to 30 percent of the membership is in a second or third marriage that violates Matthew 19.9. And the churches don't say anything about it. They just go along with it, evidently because they're afraid of losing membership and losing contribution. But this is what Jesus said. It's right here in black and white. If my wife cheats on me sexually, I have the right to divorce her according to God. But if she does it, I can't divorce her for any other reason. And if I divorce her, for any other reason, like incompatibility, which is the most common cause of divorce in the United States, and I remarry Betty, Jesus calls that marriage adultery. Now, if you're going to repent of adultery and get forgiveness, what do you got to do? You can't just keep on committing the adultery. So to, to get right with God, to repent of that adultery, to be forgiveness for that adultery, you're going to have to terminate that marriage with Betty. And seek reconciliation with your original spouse. That's what a lot of churches aren't willing to stand for the truth on. They just go along with it and let people be in their second or third marriage. In violation of Matthew 19, 9. They are not willing to stand for the truth on it. We read last week from Mark chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, where John the Baptist 
representing God, told Herod, who was in an unscriptural marriage, it's not lawful for me to have her, Herodias. He demanded that Herod, he's basically saying, if, it's, if he says it's not lawful for you to have her, he's demanding that you get out of that marriage. And guess what? John the Baptist lost his head over it. John the Baptist was willing to stand for and preach the truth on divorce and remarriage, even though it cost him his life. They had his head cut off. And we have preachers today who are not willing to stand for the truth on divorce and remarriage. 90% of the preachers, just a wild guess, because they're afraid of losing membership and contribution. They're nothing like John the Baptist, are they? Let me demonstrate to you that some churches, many churches, actually most churches, have compromised on this issue. I have a quote from the Methodist Creed book. This is the, what the Methodist Creed book said in 1896. They said in 1896, no divorce except for adultery shall be regarded by the church as lawful. And no minister shall solemnize, meaning perform the wedding ceremony, shall solemnize marriage in any case where there is a divorced wife or husband living, but this rule shall not be applied to the innocent party to a divorce for the cause of adultery. In 1896, the Methodist church, according to that quote, was teaching exactly what Jesus taught in Matthew 19.9, that divorce except for adultery is unlawful, unlawful <laughs> against God's law. And their ministers were forbidden from marrying a man and a woman if one of the, the parties, either one of them had been married before, basically. They were trying to follow Matthew 19.9 in, in 1896. Now, we have quotes, and I'll be glad to send them to you, about every 20 years to show that the Methodist Church gradually changed on this. They compromised on this. But to save time, I'm going to skip down to 1984. We looked at 1896 where the Methodist Church based upon their creed book, was saying in their own words exactly what Matthew 19.9 taught. They were standing for the truth. But in 1984, they say, same Methodist creed book, they say this, and I quote, where marriage partners, even after thoughtful consideration and counsel, are estranged beyond reconciliation, we recognize divorce as regrettable, but recognize the right of divorced persons to remarry. We encourage an accepting commitment of the church to minister to the members of divorced families. What are they saying there? Well, in 1896, they said divorce except for adultery was unlawful. Now they're saying it's regrettable. In 1896, they say we're not going to marry folks if one of the, the man or the woman who are want, wanting to be married had been married before. Now they're saying we recognize the right of divorced persons to remarry. There's quite a bit of difference in what the Methodist church says in their creed book in 1984 and what they said in 1896. What is that? Like 88 years difference or something like that? In 88 years, they, they change, they compromise. They used to stand for the truth. And I suppose in 1896, all churches stood for the truth on this. They all said exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 19.9. But over these decades, when you get to 1984, Almost all the churches have done what the Methodist church has done, what we see the Methodist church has done, and compromise. And they're going to allow divorce and remarriage for basically any reason and say nothing about it. Why are they afraid of losing membership and contribution? Let's think about John the Baptist in Mark chapter 6 again. He preached the truth on divorce and remarriage. He demanded that Herod terminate his marriage with Herodias. Did they terminate the marriage? No. Instead, they got angry and chopped his head off. John the Baptist was willing to stand for the truth on divorce and remarriage, even though it cost him his life, and preachers today are not willing to stand for the truth on it just because they might lose a little contribution. 
That's sad. You know what comes next? When you compromise on divorce and remarriage and you start allowing adulterous marriages, you know what comes next naturally? What comes next consistently? (laughs) Consistently wrong, I might add. The compromise leads to acceptance of gay marriages. We'll talk about that in a minute. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call. The number is 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call, 877-655-6755. I'm going to read a quote that my daughter found on the Internet six or seven years ago. It's from uh, a preacher named Ken Wilson. I think he was the preacher for a large non-denominational church. And that congregation had switched from saying that homosexuality was a sin and they had switched to accepting homosexuality. And he was trying to write later on how they justified it. And here's what he said. This is what he said in order to justify gay marriage. He says, and I quote, I have proposed a path for these pastors that allows them to embrace people who are gay lesbian, and transgender, and to accept them fully, welcome and wanted into the company of Jesus. I wrote a letter to my congregation when I realized my views had changed, and I needed to communicate the intense theological, biblical, pastoral, and spiritual process that I had been through to get to this new place. It began with a burr beneath the saddle of my conscience. Why was I willing to let so many divorced and remarried couples know that they are welcome and wanted, while refusing that same welcome to gay and lesbian couples. How could I say to the remarried couples, whose second marriage was clearly condemned by the plain meaning of Scripture, you are welcome and wanted, while saying to the two, and he's talking about lesbian mothers, raising their adopted child together, I love you, but I hate your sin. You see, he saw that he was being inconsistent. The church he was a member of, Ken Wilson, had been for decades accepting adulterous marriages. He says, we've been accepting remarried couples whose second marriage, and I quote, was clearly condemned by the plain meaning of Scripture. I'm sure he's talking about texts like Matthew 19.9. We've been accepting those couples. Their marriage is clearly condemned by by the plain meaning of Scripture. I'm talking about heterosexual married couples. We've been accepting them. So, he says... If we can accept these adulterous marriages, heterosexual marriages that are clearly condemned by the plain meaning of Scripture, like Matthew 19.9, then why can't we accept gay married couples whose marriages are clearly condemned by Scripture? You see, if you accept adulterous marriages, that is marriages that violate Matthew 19.9, over several decades after accepting those types of marriages, then you just learn to be consistent and you start accepting gay marriages. That's what it leads to. Well, a lot of churches don't want to accept gay marriages, and I'm glad for that. But they're inconsistent. They accept gay mar- like adulterous marriages. And accepting adulterous marriages is eventually going to lead to accepting gay marriage. That's the consistent position. Consistently wrong position. Consistently wrong position. Now, what Mr. Wilson should have done when he realized that his church was accepting heterosexual second marriages whose marriage was clearly condemned by the plain meaning of Scripture. Instead of saying, okay, we're going to accept gay marriages too, he should have said, we've been accepting these marriages that go against Scripture, go against Matthew 19, 9, etc., and we're going to quit doing that because we want to be right with God. 
we're sorry for have compromised on divorce and remarriage. And so we're going to quit doing that. That's what a lot of churches need to do today. I'm guessing about 90%, 90% of churches across America and Canada accept adulterous marriages. Say nothing about it. They even have Bible classes called divorce workshops where the divorcees can come in and then they can meet one another and they can marry in violation of Matthew 19.9. Their marriages are called adulterous by Jesus and the church just accepts it. They're accepting adultery. The preachers, the churches say nothing about it. They just accept it. They compromise. It's going to lead to the acceptance of gay marriage. And even if it doesn't, it's still wrong. It is a violation. It runs contrary to what Jesus taught in Matthew 19.9. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call. The number to call is 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment, if you want to go on the air, you might want to challenge this teaching. If you feel like you got a verse that proves it's okay for people to be in adulterous marriages, I'm willing to listen. 877-655-6755. Here's another passage, Romans 7, 2, and 3. You know, I like to think of it this way. Matthew 19, 9 tells the facts of the case. If you divorce your wife for any reason other than fornication and remarry, you commit adultery. That's the fact. Romans 7, 2, and 3 tells us the reason, I believe. Here it is, and I'm quoting here. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. Now, when you see that word bound, just think obligated. It's not a magic word. Just think the synonym obligated. The woman which hath an husband is bound or obligated by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she should be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she was no adulteress, so she be married to another man. The reason it would be wrong for me to divorce Carol for, say, incompatibility and then marry Betty, the reason Jesus calls it adultery is because even though Alabama says you're legally divorced from Carol and you're legally married to Betty, God says it's not scriptural. You're still bound or obligated to Carol. So when you come together with Betty, at night, sexually, even though the law of Alabama says you're married to her, you're still cheating against Carol. You're committing adultery against Carol because you're bound to Carol. You're obligated to Carol for as long as she lives. And just because the state of Alabama granted me the divorce doesn't mean that I don't have that obligation anymore. The Bible says I'm bound to Carol as long as she lives. She's bound to me as long as I live. God expects us to follow through on that commitment we made in 19... 88, when we said, for better, for worse, in sickness or in health, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part. God expects us to fulfill those vows. And when we don't, that's sin. Jason from Indiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, the comment is he's talking about adultery and remarriage and everything. Jesus said, if any man looks upon a woman with lust in his heart, he's committed adultery with her already. And I think that's everybody. I mean, he was proving a point that we we're doing this because of our sinful nature. So does that apply as the same thing as the physical adultery? No. Jesus, That you're right. Matthew 5, 28 does say, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you have committed adultery with her already in your heart. So you have committed adultery in your heart. But that's not what Jesus said you could divorce your wife for. He said it has to be for physical adultery. 
So you can't divorce your wife for mental adultery, only for physical adultery. Let me illustrate. In the Old Testament, the New Testament makes it clear, Jason, that really that if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. Okay? Mm -hmm. First John, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. But in the Old Testament, they had the death penalty for murder. We have it today in our land today. But even though hate is murder in the heart, there was no death penalty for hating your brother. It's only when that hate in your heart led to the physical act of murder were you subject to the death penalty. So there's a difference. And even though hate, hating your brother, is murder in the heart, it's not the same as the physical act of murder. One was penalized by death and the other wasn't. It's the same way with adultery in the heart. It's a sin to lust after a woman that's not your wife. That is a sin. You're exactly right. But Jesus doesn't allow me to divorce my wife because she's lusting after somebody. He doesn't allow me, my wife, to divorce me because I'm lusting after somebody. It has to be the act of physical adultery. That's what Matthew 19, 9 is talking about. The act of physical adultery, not adultery in the heart. You see that, Jason? Have you have you looked up the Greek term, the Greek wording for put away? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's apoluo. Divorce is the word for it means divorce. Means divorce. So so like we have that word in our language, we divorce. So if I go to the court in Alabama and divorce my wife, that would be the same as apoluo. So I can't divorce. Jesus said you cannot divorce your spouse. For any reason other than fornication, Matthew five thirty two. Any follow up, Jason? I have another caller. I'll go to that caller. You got some more follow up? I'll wait. Thank you for your call, Jason. Gail from New Jersey, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, Patrick. How you doing? Hey, is this Gail H? That I... Yes, it is. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Enjoying our, our studies that we've been doing the last week or two. Yes, I highly recommend studying with Patrick. It's amazing. Um, but I just want to call to agree with you about the whole, like, remarriage thing. Mm-hmm. And um, we have to be consistent. We have to follow the Bible, and what it says is what's truth. And, um, you know, I guess churches that compromise and start to slip and slide and make their own, like, um, laws or they – uh, condone remarriage, you know, that's just not, uh, it's just not right. God says what he says and he means what he says. So we have to follow what he says. And, you know, people are, cre- certain pastors in certain churches are creating their own man-made um, doctrine, which doesn't align with the Bible. So, yeah. you know, they're leading their, their their congregation astray by telling them these things. You know, it's it's pretty sad that that's, that's what's happening. Gail, you're exactly right. Jesus meant what he said when he said, whosoever shall put away or divorce his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, right. committeth adultery. He meant what he said, didn't he? Exactly. And he said, you know, and whoever, and he said, whoso marrieth her, which is put away, or who is divorced, doth commit adultery. And right. he means what he says. It's up to us to follow what he says. Even if we don't agree with it, or even if right. it puts a hardship on us, we have to follow what he says if we want to be a Christian. Christian means follower of Christ. we got to follow his teachings. That's a very right, good point you're by making, the world. Gail. Right. We can't be swayed by the world. The world's going to say, oh, well, you should be happy. Get married. Get, you know, find somebody who, you know, and, and, and that's going to make you fulfilled. But that's not what God says. God says you can't. You have to follow what he says. Right? 
Gail, I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk to the audience just now. Gail is somebody yeah. I study with uh, every week, and she's recommending if you would like to have a, a free phone study with me. That's Gail and I do that yeah. once a week. Uh, just call me after the program or text me after the program on my cell number. I'll give that number at the end of the program. What y'all, you can call or text me and and sign up for the free phone Bible study when it's convenient for you. Gail, anything, any follow up? To what you're saying, no, I appreciate no. your call. Keep, okay. Yeah, just keep in the word, people. Just like follow what God says, and 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 you know, just do what He says and honor Him. You know, and just you'll be blessed. Thanks so much, Patrick. Have a great evening. That's right, Gail. What you just yeah. said reminds me of John fourteen fourteen. Jesus said, right. "If you love me, keep my commandments." So exactly. if we really love God, we're going to keep His commandments. Even we're going right. to keep the commandment that says, don't put away your spouse except for fornication. And if you do, don't remarry. We're going to keep that commandment too, right? If we love yeah, Jesus, just, right? Just honor him as your father. Yep. Your father. In Thank heaven. you, Gail. Yep. Amen. Thank you. Have a great Look evening. Look forward to talking to you soon. God bless. All right. Bye. Here. Bye. All right. Bye. You know, we see, we see that when churches decades ago started compromising on adulterous marriage. That's what led to the compromise on gay marriage. And now I'm guessing, just a guess, about 50% of congregations across America would accept gay marriage. Why do I say 50%? Because the biggest denominations, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Methodist, Episcopal, they've all compromised on gay marriage and they have a lot of congregations underneath them, underneath their hierarchy. So it's just a guess, but I'm guessing probably 50% of congregations across America and Canada will accept gay marriage today. You see, what happened was they started accepting adulterous marriages, marriages in vi- second or third marriages in violation of Matthew 19.9. Probably 90% of churches accept adulterous marriages. And they started accepting adulterous marriages. And then they said, well, if we can accept adulterous marriages, why can't we accept gay marriages? Well, isn't that what Ken Wilson said? We've been accepting adulterous marriages. Second marriages that are clearly condemned by the plain meaning of Scripture, he says, Matthew 19, 9. So why can't we accept two lesbians are married together? Why not? <laughs> the truth is we can't accept either. They're both wrong. People are accepting and churches are accepting these things. They're compromising right and left. They accepted adulterous marriages to start with. Then that led to accepting gay marriages. How about women preachers? You know, if you go back 100 years ago, it, it doesn't make it right just because the church is taught the truth on it a hundred years ago. But the Bible taught that it's wrong to have what we call women preachers, meaning women preaching from the pulpit in the church service, doing the sermon. First Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, very clear on this. I can't think of a passage that's any clearer on any subject in the Bible than this passage is on the subject of women preachers. You can't find a passage that's more clear on any subject, clearer than first Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. It's emphatic. He says, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's a shame for women to speak in the church. There's nothing hard to understand about that. A hundred years ago, all the churches understood the truth on this. They didn't allow women to preach from the pulpit. They knew this verse was in there, and they knew exactly what it says. Then they started compromising. The same motivation that allowed them to compromise on adulterous marriages, and the same motivation that allowed them to start compromising on gay marriages, that same motivation allowed them to compromise on allowing women to preach from the pulpit. I mean, there's nothing hard to understand about this verse, yet people don't want to follow it. They're all the time trying to look for loopholes. They're going to try to find 
this preacher that says that or this preacher that says that. So instead of just believing what God said here in 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, they're going to search far and wide. Actually, they won't have to search very far to find a preacher that agrees with them, that it's okay for women to preach in the church instead of just accepting what the Bible says. They're going to find a preacher that says it's okay for these this couple to be remarried instead of just looking at Matthew 19, 9 and seeing that that marriage is adulterous. I mentioned a while ago when I had Gail on the line, if you would like a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, whenever it's convenient for you, kind of like what Gail's doing with me once a week, then I want you to call or text me on my cell number. And that number is 256-682-9753. Remember, 2 John verse 9 says, and this is in the Bible, whoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. You can't be saved without God. So you have to abide in the teaching of Christ, the doctrine of Christ, to have God to be saved. That's what we're going to study. If you call me and want to have a study, we're going to study the doctrine of Christ. If you want a free study, home study, call or text me 256-682-9753.